We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. My guest today is Zelda Williams. The daughter of the late, great Robin Williams makes her feature film directorial debut with Lisa Frankenstein, a horror comedy written by Oscar winner Diablo Cody and starring Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse. Williams and I caught up over Zoom video where we talked about her love of horror films, the not-so-suitable-for-the-workplace scene that didn't make the final cut of Lisa Frankenstein, and why memories of her dad keep her from paying too much attention to the Oscars. But before we get to Williams, I've got to tell you about my big Housewives scoop from the Grammys red carpet. Real Housewives of Atlanta star Candy Burris revealed to me that she will not be returning to the franchise next season. Um, I decided I'm not coming back this year. Why? Well, it's been 14 seasons. 14? Yeah, 14. And they allowed us to sit around for a little too long. Right. Um, because it was making a decision, but during that time, I had started working on a lot of other things, and I got some some nice big projects coming soon. So I'm super excited about those things. But it's not just that; it's just like, you know, after you really have time to think. And a friend of mine was like, "Why do you keep doing it?" And I was like, "Well, I think because I've just been doing it so long. I just it just feels weird to think not to do it." So I was just like, "You know what? I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna take a moment." Burris joined Housewives in its second season. She went on to star in three spin-offs and used her celebrity to launch several successful restaurants and even a sex toy company. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Zelda Williams is the first-time director of the new horror comedy, Lisa Frankenstein. Written by Oscar winner Diablo Cody, Lisa Frankenstein stars Catherine Newton as a high school outcast who falls in love with a nonverbal corpse, played by Cole Sprouse, who has come back to life. The two embark on a journey of friendship, love, missing body parts, and some very, very outrageous killings. The film also stars Carla Gugino as Newton's stepmother and Liza Soberano as her very popular and very pretty cheerleader stepsister. At times hilarious and at other times grotesque in a funny way. Think Tim Burton, Mel Brooks, and John Waters. Williams, whose dad is the late great comic and dramatic actor Robin Williams, talks about her love going behind the camera. She does have some acting credits to her name. The sex toy that went missing from set and why she thinks her father would be a fan of Lisa Frankenstein. And just a slight warning, this conversation does include some spoiler talk about various scenes in Lisa Frankenstein. Here's Zelda Williams. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm holding up okay. This is all new and strange for me, but it's been interesting and certainly a new adventure. How are you doing? It has to be pretty exciting. You know what? It's funny. I don't know if exciting is the word because it's like, without it seeming horrifying, it it, it is more like terror because I don't know what to expect and I have no control over it. So it is a bit more roller coastery than even I expected, especially Mm. growing up around it. Um, You you really do have to Jesus take the wheel, all of it, and be like, well, I'll get where I get to. I don't really know. (laughs) And it's. You know, and it's different. I mean, what you grew up with was not social media, was not all of that. Um, this is a whole, I think I was reading, I think it was an interview with Paul Giamatti, and he was talking about the difference. The first time he was nominated for an Oscar, and this time, and he was saying, like, he's just exhausted. Yeah. Because there's just so much. Even this thing, you know, like us talking right now, we're not in person. <laughs> this is not a... This, <laughs> things where you didn't used to have enough time in the day to complete all these interviews. Now they're like, no, you can do like 40 of them in a day because you're just going to talk to this person for eight minutes on a Zoom. And you're like, okay, I guess (laughs) I'll make that work. But the thing you're talking about with social media, I find particularly interesting with how the world is taking in movies now. You know, especially back when I first started loving movies, I was really lucky because I had a family that was in movies. So it was, they were so accessible to me. We would go and find them. Dad was such a like horror for buying every DVD. (laughs) We had every, every DVD. Um, And so I was kind of in this library of excess of film, but now that's everyone, right? You know, now, now that we have this incredible at our fingertips form of viewing, 
it has brought people into this world of kind of film criticism too, but it's still so newish in a way that I'm finding that people are still in that phase of like, it kind of reminds me of if you have any film student friends and mm -hmm. like for the first two years, I'd be like, my favorite movie was The Cranes Are Flying. And I'm like, that's not even the Russians' favorite movie. You're, they made that movie and they don't even love it that much. So you're lying, but you're in like this neophyte moment where you're, you're, right. your taste is curated by what you want people to respect your taste for. Yeah. And that's what I'm finding is particularly interesting with the internet at present. Not everyone, obviously, speaking right. absolutes would be useless, but like, quite a lot of people are in that phase of like their film exploration is like, I want to look like I have good taste or I'm an intellectual or whatever <laughs> to these other people. And I'm very curious if the internet's going to come full circle and come back to being like, no, my favorite movie is back to the future. <laughs> right, right. I'm curious. I hope so. <laughs> it's so funny. You say that because I don't know why I'm talking about Paul Giamatti again, but he's on my mind. Um, should be on everyone's mind. It's right. okay. I interviewed him at the Golden Globes and I said, what's a genre that you haven't done yet? And he said, horror. And I was like, interesting. I said- Everyone's talking about horror right now. It makes me happy. Which is great for you. I said, what is your favorite horror movie? He's like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was like, was not expecting that from Paul Giamatti. And <laughs> the video, I think the video on Twitter ended up doing for Variety, like last night I was talking to a friend about it, like 1.6 million views. And that is, it's sort of like what you're saying. It's like, there is this appetite for movie discussion, dissection, critique, craze on social media that is just, sometimes it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Well, I'm not on, I'm really not on Twitter anymore. Um, I basically started transitioning off of it years ago, but- right. It just ceased to be a place that I felt even had conversations as an ability when so much of what it used to be where you did talk to people and you could answer questions and whatever. Wow. Now, you know, 80% of it will be bots. Yeah. And then mm, uh, quite a bit will also be people who are actively farming clicks via negativity. And I'm like, I'm okay. That's really not a discourse I need to be a part of. But it's not because it's not a discourse. Yeah, it's not actually a conversation anymore. You're yeah. just like yelling stuff at people and hoping that they stop their car to yell back. Um, in this situation, the funny thing for me that's nice to see in the industry, but also reminds me a little bit of conversations I saw years ago about how no one's, you know, oh, I've always wanted to work with a female director. And there's mm -hmm. that very famous clip of Kristen Dunst being like, oh, that's interesting. I've had no trouble with this. I've worked with so many. <laughs> and it really would take just them seeking it out. I mean, horror and comedy hasn't gone anywhere, no. but, but in a weird way, because it doesn't garner the respect in the like critical award-winning world most of the time, mm -hmm. they're these really lovely kind of strange bedfellows now. Horror and comedy yeah. are these two outsiders that you know, and science fiction used to be one of them, but now there's some science fiction stuff getting some love. So you're like, God damn it. <laughs> You know, you make a movie like Arrival and they're like, we respect science fiction now. Um, I don't know what the version would be with horror and comedy because I just don't see them as getting nearly as much kind of respectable yeah. um, love from like places like the Academy. But right. that's why I think people like it because it's a bit rebellious, isn't it? Yeah. Like if you have this career where you just got nominated for an Oscar and he's like, I really want to do a Texas Chainsaw movie. I'm like, 
yeah, do it then. You have the power. Right. Just go get it greenlit. <laughs> I wish so I could look I, at them and be like, just take the book. What 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 do you have and give it to someone great? And then you would make all of this, you'd get it funded. Yeah. So on that note, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> oh, that's hard. It changes on the daily. I I am like one of the biggest alien fans you've ever met. Okay. The first one, not the second one. Mm-hmm. Um and I do love Silence of the Lambs if we're just talking horror. But like the, thing about, the thing about the mood ring of movie watching is like some days I'm in the mood for a romantic comedy or some days I'm in the mood for a comedy. And so it changes completely. So let's talk about Lisa. Mm. So much fun. Just, you know, it's just. How could you not have fun watching this movie? It's completely universal. And I didn't read your statement until after I watched it. And I love the end of your statement when you talk about that one audience member who said you could be a total weirdo and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, so much of what Diablo wrote was about the idea that for a lot of people, not just women, but I know especially for women my age and younger, they're in this world of feeling like the way they navigate the world has to be palatable for other people, especially with social media, especially with all this judgment that's going around. And truthfully, particularly in growth and in grief, a lot of what you're going to want to feel isn't going to feel like it's okay for other people. Um, And you will lose people when you're grieving, especially if you're grieving, quite honestly, there will be people that won't know how to navigate it, especially if they haven't been through it. So, you know, Lisa is a bit of that. It's kind of a woman just not doing it legally mind you i don't i'm not i'm not uh condoning violence in some form of it but this is an imaginary world where death is impermanent so the decisions she's making are in and of themselves about a lot less daunting she's just navigating her growth and grief in a really <laughs> public consumption kind of way and it's wonderful i had so much fun we all did so when did you when did you get involved? Was did I Diablo? Uh, was she working on a script already, or was how? Where where did you come in? The script came to me fully finished. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it was during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and um, it was sent to me via a person I have in common with Diablo that we didn't know, and he also buried the lead and didn't tell me that Diablo was the person who wrote the script. He was just like, my girlfriend wrote this script. Can I send it to you? And I was, you know, we were in the pandemic. I was locked in with like my vegetables and my dog. So I went, yeah, okay. I'm so so bored. Please do. (laughs) And read it within 24 hours and wrote him back and was like, can you connect us? I really want to make this movie. So it quite organically grew from there. And Mm. truthfully, this wasn't supposed to be my first movie. A bunch of other ones fell apart because of the pandemic. Um, As a lot of filmmakers would tell you, a lot of, a lot of low budget stuff couldn't survive. They couldn't pay for the PPE. You couldn't make sure that your crew is going to be safe. So the other ones just fell to the wayside. And this was the one that the little train that could. And listen, I, I, I believe that whatever, not to get all like, but (laughs) it's meant to be those other films were not supposed to be your first film. This was supposed to be your first film. Well, I'm glad the thing that scared me most ended up being the thing that I needed to go through first because mm. comedy was not where I was planning to start. <laughs> I yeah. That's the one that I was like the most afraid of touching. In I, a weird way. I, 
Um, especially growing up around it, my adjacency to it, I just, it's that combination of respecting it really deeply and mm. also knowing how hard it is. Um, you know, there are, there's formulas to everything. There's ways that you can kind of find your way towards anything, but comedy is one of the things you really can't teach. Mm. There's still formulas to a good joke, but the, the daunting task of finding a bunch of young actors that I felt would have chemistry in comedy, especially when they haven't really, for the most part, had large comedy movies being the centerpiece of Hollywood for a minute. Mm -hmm. There was in the nineties and everything, there were large comedies coming out all the time we've been in kind of an action and drama world for a while recently. So a lot of these young actors haven't really had to do the comedy dance. Right. And I was lucky with Catherine and Cole cause they have, and they are like naturally funny, but they did start from kind of a more slapstick comedy world with their childhood stuff. So right. it wasn't something I was going to have to teach them. They were just naturals. And then we could focus on the, the kind of energy of the scene and pivoting their reactions sometimes to things that I thought would be more unexpected or, and that was like joyful. Then it's a lot more like composing. Um, what was, was there a chemistry read and how do you do a chemistry read with one actor who has basically no lines? <laughs> we did not have a chemistry read because we were still technically in the pandemic. So oh, that wow. was also really terrifying for me especially with a romantic comedy. Yeah. But thankfully, Cole had shot pictures of Catherine before, mm -hmm. uh, years ago. And so they kind of knew each other. They weren't what I would say close friends, but they knew each other and respected each other. And so they just called each other and talked on the phone and like really kind of narrowed in on if this would work for them. And I had to trust in them very deeply that that chemistry would work and it was wonderful. But no, we didn't get a chemistry and that was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Williams reveals what happened when a sex toy went missing from set and why she doesn't pay attention to Oscar races. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm Mark Malkin. Here's more of Lisa Frankenstein director Zelda Williams. Of course, you know, the film... It's from here to there. There's some really broad comedy. There, you know, there's John Waters in there. There's Mel Brooks in there. Um, you know, Tim Burton is in there. Um, you know, and I will preface this: anyone who's listening and anyone who reads the story, there will be spoilers. There's <laughs> flying. Um, there's flying anatomy. Yes. Um, was there ever a point where you had to pull back and be like, okay, I went too far? Um, I mean, ironically, with the flying anatomy of it all, uh, <laughs> that prosthetic does exist. And when we initially shot the movie, it was R-rated. So you saw that prosthetic fly into the trash can. <laughs> and then ironically, it kind of went missing for a couple months after we finished shooting and everyone got kind of asked if they had it. And I'm like, no, I didn't steal the dick from set. <laughs> um, but they found it eventually. <laughs> but that was a moment where I went, I don't think they're going to let me do this, but no one's told me no yet. So I'm going to do it. And then if we have to cut it out, which we did, um, maybe it'll wind up. I hope it winds up on some DVD extra at some point. It's too beautiful and hilarious of a prosthetic not to. Um, but no, I think the fun thing about this is everything I got to play around with was written on a page. 
this was all from Diablo and this was all from her kind of thinking on weird science. And I talked to her a lot about death becomes her that one and young Frankenstein were a lot of like my heart in this and hers in writing this, this was like her female wine pairing to weird science in a way. So if you look at that era of movies, at what point did it feel like they were pulling back? Like, especially you look at death becomes her. I mean, it never felt like anyone was going, are we being too much? Is this, we literally see a candelabra through the chest of a woman. I think at a certain point I wanted to try and grasp for a bit of that earnest excess Mm. that was a lot of the comedy in the eighties. Yeah. In fact, was even kind of the silent films. Like I, I watched a lot of Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin with Cole, because that's a lot of creatures, heart and soul. Um, I, I joke that he's a bit of Mr. Darcy meets Charlie Chaplin, and then he got resurrected in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> but we watched a lot of that, and there's an enormous amount of like just more and more and more that was those films. I think excess tends to be kind of in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For me, I was like, no, I'll do. I thought they were going to turn me down when I said, can I please shoot the the flying body part scene on a phantom because I've always wanted to play around with a phantom. Mm. And I was like, I'm imagining it like 850 frames a second to like the 2001 A Space Odyssey theme. (laughs) They didn't think I was crazy. And maybe they did, but they still let me do it. And the only thing that ended up not working is the 2001 A Space Odyssey theme is really expensive. So I used (laughs) a different song. (laughs) Everything else was doable. I think, you, you know, we joke about it with dating you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think the same thing is true with this. As long as you're not wasting people's time and money, I think they will let you be really creative. <laughs> what was, you know, this is obviously your first big feature. What was the most challenging part of it? What What do you wish you knew now? What, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Um, that... I think the only one I would think that I would now take a lot more seriously is the the concept that more often than not, they are going to end up wanting you to edit multiple um, ratings versions of your movie. Mm-hmm. And even though when I was on set, I was like, do you want more bloodless versions of these kills just in case? And they were like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And then of course they did. And I'm like, well, that <laughs> thankfully you have solutions for that. And it's not really my fault because I asked, so it's fine. But now I would probably go into that with that awareness, but everything else, the lovely thing about this, having taken the time that it did and me shadowing as often as I did. And I'm quite a voracious learner. I love sponging up everyone else's advice. So for the past 10 years, that's all I've been doing. Mm. Um, Who, Who have you been shadowing? Well, Scott Derrickson is my main mentor, which is quite funny because I think this movie couldn't be more opposite from what he usually <laughs> makes. But he has been like incredibly instrumental in this entire transition for me because at the time when I I was like 26 when I first started wanting to direct and started making stuff, a lot of people will look at you like you're kind of crazy. Mm. <laughs> and he was one of the few that didn't. Mm. Uh, really took me under his wing, gave me a ton of advice. Ryan Johnson also has given me a lot of advice over the years and is an incredible, especially writer as well. I love his advice on writing. And I've just spent a lot of time asking any of the people I'm privileged enough to be around 
little things or just listening when they talk about how much they love what they do. So you, most of this movie wasn't a surprise and wasn't a challenge. It was just I, delightful. Did Was there a part of you, you know, that felt like you had to even prove yourself even more? You're Robin Williams' daughter. People are going to say, oh, of course you want to direct. You could direct whatever you want because you're, you know, the child of this, you know, Oscar winner. Did you feel like you had to even notch up it? Does that make sense? Not really. I, I mean, hmm. maybe that's by the nature of how long he's been gone, but... I think in a funny way, his previous kind of influence and still, I guess, around now, but that I don't think about it as much as I think other people do. <laughs> so as much as I think you would enjoy this movie, I don't really feel like it, it didn't feel like pressure in that way. I think what is interesting, as with all things with time, a lot of people have forgotten, you know, that he also did a bunch of very silly or very wacky movies. It wasn't mm -hmm. just these critically acclaimed films. Yep. There was, and also some of the wacky, silly ones were very critically acclaimed at the time. Yep. But as with anything, when it's no longer, when it becomes something that is past tense as yep. opposed to present, people look at it very differently. And the one thing I will say is there's this amount, there is a certain amount of chatter that I've heard where they're like, we thought she'd be making like a dead poets thing. And I'm like, why? What on earth would give you that impression other than the idea that you have now curated a version of him in your head that only existed as the movies you like, not the other ones he made. Um, that's been interesting, but otherwise, it doesn't really change anything that I'm doing. At 34, I'm just like, I'm just working. <laughs> I mean, listen, I looked at some of the slapstick humor there and there was Mork and Mindy to me. You know? I, I will say I never really watched much Mork because that was before my time, but I do know a little bit about it. <laughs> and I know about his audition process for that one. And that slapstick comedy, he did it. Like when I was watching the film, you know, I couldn't help but obviously think of him. And I was like, he would totally, he or he could be the dad. Yeah. Lisa's dad. What do you he, a lot of that era of guys, especially the leading men that were both comedy and drama. So like the Jim Carrey's and things oh. as well. They were physical comedians. Yes. And there's not as much of that anymore. Um, there's a couple of them. And obviously SNL still trains a lot of like physical comedians in the long run. But those guys and the pratfalls and the things are not as common as they used to be. I think people think of them as cringe or, you know, in this day and age, I'm not entirely sure why they went out of popularity, but I think it's why I keep coming back to the word earnest. There's mm -hmm. an earnestness to physical comedy. Yes. It can't really nod and wink at its own jokes because then you're acknowledging a fall before it happens. And then the fall's not funny. So you kind of have to like find that balance of, 110% effort and that I'm really glad I did grow up around and I'm mm -hmm. really glad that I know like deep down in my bones because I do think that's so much of the heart and soul of at least the comedy I miss and love so much. Do you see yourself acting again? I don't really know. I don't really care <laughs> as funny as it sounds. I would do it for friends. Right. But for me, and this is not me trying to like do a fish for compliments thing, because I know women get accused of that a lot. Mm. 
I was never all that pretty and stylish and I was never all that popular. And I liked acting, but I won't say I'm like, you know, all that remarkable. And sometimes the thing that happens, especially if you're adjacent to someone who is considered that is you're like, well, I could still keep doing this. But I don't know if it's ever going to feel as fulfilling as now I know directing and, and writing does. Mm. And I, I am deep down not a person who loves the attention that comes along with acting. Um, it's funny because now they're kind of trying to do that with directors too. And I and there's the part of my brain that's like, I think that's not going to work because I've met a lot of them and we are not for social consumption. <laughs> Sometimes you're lucky if we're all wearing pants. So I like, I get along with the director side of stuff because I'm like, oh, you're all like nerdy introverts for the most part. And then yeah. the extroverts are the exception. On the acting side, the extroverts are for the most part and the introverts are the exception. So I've kind of found, I found something that, feels a lot more like an escape room mm. than performance. And I love that. <laughs> what do you think about the Oscar nominations where Greta Gerwig directs this billion dollar making movie? Don't be mad. I don't care about the Oscars, so I have no idea. <laughs> Fine. The only no, thing I, I know is- I am mad at you. My sweet friend Charles didn't get nominated, and that's the only thing I'm aware of. Um, mm. But otherwise, I I Don't. didn't really keep tabs. I loved a lot of movies this year. Um, Anatomy of a Fall, I thought was an incredibly made movie. Mm. But in terms of in terms of the award shows, I'm usually pretty <laughs> out of it. Pretty on the outside. <laughs> what? So what other movies have you watched this year that, you know, got you going? I mean, I, I watch everything. I right. love movies in general, and I love the hefty ones, the really heavy ones, and I also love the really light ones. Um, gosh, I mean, I was such a big Poor Things fan. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's... It was so funny because my trailer was paired with it. And I was like, oh, my God, please don't put me in front of Yordos. Nothing most <laughs> people will naturally be like, what the fuck is this? Um, but I was like also honored, just terrified. I... There was. Um, it's so funny, too, because I have I literally have all my screeners like right in front of me. Um, <laughs> and I love that in the DGA because I miss getting screeners. And in the DGA, I guess they still send them out, but it, with SAG, it was always like links and things now. So this is kind of lovely. And I did love the holdovers. It was nice to see it get nominated. And I'd known quite a lot about it because it was another one of the focus movies. Mm. So that was wild and lovely. And I think Divine, I mean, she, my fingers are crossed for her. I think she did incredible work. Um, yeah. I mean... It's lovely that there is still this vestige of wanting to honor your peers. It's just never been something that I was too focused on, I guess. I watched dad go through it when I was younger. Um, I saw it firsthand. And I also saw that it didn't end up, at least in his case, making him happy. So it removed. I removed myself from that. Do you, do you remember watching it as a younger person? And were you like, oh, I like the glitz and glamour of it? Or you were like, you knew right then that was not for me. It's just not. It never was. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, 
That's no, that's actually nice to hear. In the same way that it's great when people are really excited about it and it's great that it can make some people's careers. It's just, I've also watched it stress out a lot of really talented creatives and make them believe that they had to dictate who they were based upon mm -hmm. who was honoring them. And I'm like, no, you still are and will remain incredible. This is just a, it's just a really fancy, somewhat, erotic paperweight <laughs> so if someone comes to you tomorrow money's no object what's your dream project to direct what do you got that's it <laughs> there's a book series that i've always loved that was written by a man named garth nix mm -hmm. and it's kind of a very female oriented almost like a lord of the rings epic series about a, a family line of women who put the dead back to rest. So it has zombies and it has monsters and all this stuff, but it's also like the kind of thing where you'd film in the greenery of New Zealand for like two <laughs> years. And I would just, I'm, I'm more of a bog witch than I am anything else. Like all I want to do is be around like moss and trees. So something like that, I would absolutely do. Um, <laughs> I love that Kate just chimed in. It's a Bob Odenkirk movie. I know I said that. <laughs> I love Bob. Um, it's something along those lines. I would love to do something fantasy, and I don't think they get made very often because they tend to be very expensive. But I just think when they're made, you know, reminds me of like Never Ending Story. When fantasy is made well, God, it can make kids want to dream. It makes people want to go on adventures and sit out in the sunshine and, you know, watch fireflies at night. So I'd love to do something like that one day. How many times have people come to you and said, well, you should remake your dad's this, 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 and that. Oh, thankfully never. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I don't think anyone also who would want to. Well, that I, it's Hollywood. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like the funny thing about it being a, they know how publicly I speak out about that. I'm like, why on earth would you resurrect any great actor? Let them rest in peace. So I'm like, unless you know someone who's going to play this and they think they're great, which I'm probably going to poke holes in that. Right. Would you want to? Um, yeah, no, thankfully never. I've not received anything like that, nor do I think they they can use this as their answer. <laughs> I don't think I would be the right person go. for it. <laughs> then, you know, I interviewed uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and they're like, yeah, someone just uh, pitched us a goodwill, actually a goodwill hunting. There were a lot of sequels pitched to him while he was, you know, alive as well. And I just, if they're not right, they don't happen. No. Um, well, in this town. Well, fair enough. But with those <laughs> kinds of people, with people as smart and as capable as Matt and Ben or with people like that, they don't happen if they don't think it's worthwhile. Um, you know, like I'm seeing sequels coming around now that I'm actually curious about, like Beetlejuice 2. I would love to see that. I'm into that. I don't think it's so holy that you can't be like, yeah, she grew up and had a daughter of her own. There's something to explore there. Um, Goodwill Hunting? No. Oh. <laughs> he went off with the girl. He went to go see about a girl. Like you got, there's your answer. Zelda, this is great. I'm so glad we got to chat. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much. I really, uh, this has been lovely. 
That was Zelda Williams. Lisa Frankenstein is in theaters now. And that's it for this week's Just for Variety. Thanks for listening. And if you're around on Monday, February 12th, make sure to check in with Variety's Twitter. We'll be coming to you live from the Oscar nominees luncheon, where I'll be interviewing this year's biggest contenders. Until then, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, and TikTok, at Mark Malkin. And for all breaking and exclusive Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. See you next time. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.